the process of like competing and getting to there is super stressful for me. Um, but there's nothing that can, there's a lot of things that can replace it. Like I feel like I would be okay with not competing if, you know, cause I have just, I have my son, but I'm not ready to hang that up. I don't know if that makes any sense. Like I love the feeling that I get when I compete and I don't think I'm done competing yet. I don't think I'm physically done competing or mentally. Um, if something were to happen where I couldn't compete, I would be okay with it. Um, but I'm not ready to let it go in the sense I want my our son to see me and I want him to see all the other women competing too. I, I mean, that's that would be a dream come true for him to see me just once at the games. Um. This is episode number 81 with Lindsay Valenzuela. Hey there, friends. This week, we're doing something a little bit different on the podcast. So I'm releasing two episodes this week, and they are two of a three-part series on CrossFit and pregnancy. I have been wanting to start talking about this topic for a while, and lately I've been hearing a lot of inspiring stories from different women about their experiences through pregnancy, and I've started to develop a strong interest in sharing this information with all of you so that you can be more informed as you're either going through the process yourself, maybe coaching pregnant athletes, or just talking about it with other friends at the gym. And it's also a topic that's becoming more relevant to me as I'm thinking about starting a family over the next several years. Um, Don't get too excited. It's not something in the immediate horizon, but I am starting to take a closer look at the things I'm doing now, both inside and outside the gym, that could best prepare me for pregnancy one day. So there's a few things that I know for sure from some of these discussions. One is that every woman in every pregnancy is different. And by no means is there a one-size-fits-all approach. Another thing I know is there's a lot more to the equation than just listening to your body. And women can benefit a lot from working with experienced trainers, um, pelvic floor physical therapists, as well as, of course, their doctors to make sure that they're maximizing their chances for a healthy postpartum recovery. So this week, episode 81 features Lindsay Valenzuela. She's a four-times CrossFit Games athlete who recently had her first child and then returned to a very high level of competition less than a year later, despite having some pregnancy complications. Um, This is also her second time back on the podcast, so it was great to get some follow-up to our initial conversation. And then in episode 82, which is also released today, I talk with Lisa Ryan, who has two beautiful children and who is continuing to navigate her postpartum recovery with a very severe case of diastasis recti. So next week, I'll follow these stories up with a conversation I had with a pelvic floor physical therapist named Julie Weeb, and I consider her to be one of the leading experts in this area, so she's able to shed a little bit more light on this topic. Um, But each of these women provides very different perspectives on an issue that I think we're only beginning to start to understand. So I hope you really enjoy listening to their stories and their expertise and let me know what you think. Welcome to Pursuing Health. I'm Julie Fouché, family medicine resident and former CrossFit Games athlete. Here, I bring to you information and inspiration from experts and everyday individuals for how to use lifestyle to maximize health. Thank you so much for joining me. Now let's get started with this week's episode. As I mentioned, this is Lindsay's second appearance on the podcast, and she first came on in episode number 23 during the middle of her pregnancy. Now she returns to talk about how her pregnancy went her recovery postpartum, and her return to CrossFit Games competition during the 2017 season. A little bit of background about Lindsay before we get started. She has been an athlete all her life. She played collegiate volleyball at Cal Lutheran University. And during that time, she began Olympic weightlifting to train for volleyball. And that's when she really fell in love with the barbell. After her collegiate career was over, she began competing in Olympic weightlifting and then found CrossFit. And since that time, she's become a seasoned CrossFit Games athlete, competing in four CrossFit Games, finishing as high as second place in 2013, and most recently finishing in seventh place in 2015. 
She also represented Team USA in the CrossFit Invitational in Berlin in 2013. And she has coached at several affiliates in Southern California. And in August of 2015, finally fulfilled her dream to open her own affiliate, Atomo CrossFit, with her business partner and former NFL player James Townsend. In 2016, Lindsay discovered that she was pregnant and took the year away from competition. What followed was a difficult pregnancy during which Lindsay developed preeclampsia, gained 90 pounds, spent two months on bed rest due to complications, and ultimately had a C-section delivery. Following the birth of her now two-year-old son, Arsenio Jr., Lindsay slowly returned to training, and she focused a lot on healing her core and her pelvic floor first. With time and patience, she gradually built volume and intensity and ultimately returned to competition, placing a very impressive 11th at the California Regional in 2017, less than a year after giving birth. With another year of training and recovery under her belt, Lindsay is poised to make another run at the CrossFit Games this upcoming year in 2018. A few quick reminders before we get started. First, if you're enjoying the podcast, you can head over to iTunes to subscribe and consider giving it a rating. I'm also always looking for inspiring stories to share. So if you or someone you know has used lifestyle to overcome a serious health challenge, please send your story to me at info at juliefouché.com and I'll select some to share here on future episodes. Finally, please remember that although I am now officially a doctor, this podcast is meant to share the experiences of individuals and does not provide medical advice. So with that, let's get started with episode number 81 of Pursuing Health featuring Lindsay Valenzuela. Welcome back to Pursuing Health. I'm super excited to be here with Lindsay Valenzuela, who is a repeat guest on the podcast. And Mm -hmm. last time we talked, you were somewhere, I think, I'm not sure exactly where you were in your pregnancy, but you were in the middle. Um, Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I've looked back at the video and it was very, very large. (laughs) And so now it's, I don't know, how old is your son now? He's right here. He's, uh, he'll be two in... May. So wow. he'll be two on May 26th. <laughs> wow. And, and, you know, you came back and less, it was less than a year later, competed very successfully in the game season and at regionals. You're, you know, back on the competition circuit now. And so we have a lot to talk about. A lot has happened in that time, but I'm super excited to dig into it. Me too. It's, uh, yeah, a lot has changed. (laughs) (laughs) So maybe do you want to start off with just talking a little bit about, we can maybe recap some things from the last podcast, but what sort of things you first started to notice or what sort of research you first started to do when you first started your pregnancy and you thought about how you would want to approach continuing to CrossFit and to train um, during your pregnancy? Yeah, so, um, like, going into my pregnancy, you know, I've talked about before, like, I knew that it would be not easy. I I knew I wasn't naive in the sense that, you know, I would be able to continue, like, my level and volume of training. Mm -hmm. And um, you were, I mean, you went into it going, you came off of, in 2015, like, a seventh seventh place at the Games, arguably probably in the best shape of your life to that point. Um, so you went mm-hmm. into it very fit. <laughs> yeah, I, I went into it very, very fit. Um, you know, I was in the process of opening up my gym. Um, I knew after the 2015 games I wanted to start a family, but I still was working out. I mm-hmm. was, you know, nowhere near my normal volume that I was, you know, doing while I was training, you know, all the years prior and for the games that year. Um, but I was working out, um, you know, maybe a couple hours a day not the three to four three and a half hour totals Mm -hmm. that you know you really need to have to get to the games um but I knew that once I got pregnant and once we found out I was pregnant I also was going into my pregnancy with a back injury I -hmm. re-injured my back right after the games I had injured it um a few weeks before the games and was just able to get uh by in the games Mm -hmm. not my super healthiest in terms of like physical um, injury wise, um, but was able to get through it, was doing PT and then re-injured it in August. And I was 
the day before my pre-op for my, uh, micro dissectomy found out we were pregnant. Um, you know, so I went into my pregnancy with an injury, um, that I I knew I had to work around, but I also knew that I, once I, you know, the injury kind of subsided and the pain was being managed because that Mm -hmm. was a big part of my back injury was the pain I was in Mm -hmm. and then not being able to do stuff. Um, so I started PT immediately because surgery was out of the question. Um, but even, uh, when that pain subsided and, you know, my movement patterns started to come back, I knew I, I couldn't, and I didn't want to do everything that I was doing prior to pregnancy. Like, mm-hmm. you know, I think I am, I'm very different in terms of a lot of the higher level athletes, maybe that have gotten pregnant is I had no desire to get up on the rings and do a muscle up <laughs> three months pregnant. Like that mm-hmm. was just me. Um, could I have, yeah, I, I mean, I tried, um, once my back was feeling good and it just didn't feel good. It didn't feel the stretching that I felt in my stomach, um, you know, the fatigue that I felt, it just, for me, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have ever forgive myself if something had happened. Mm-hmm. And for me, I was okay with saying, you know, I'm not going to do muscle ups. I'm not going to do pull ups. I think I posted one video of me doing pull ups with a band and the negative feedback that I got of why are you using a band? Oh my goodness. Yeah. And I was like, I think I was like <laughs> six months pregnant at the time was because I'm six months pregnant and mm. that's why and um what was that not, like for you to have to, say to like obviously knowing that you're pregnant but what was that like for you to sort of have to put your ego aside like um you, if you were to have an injury or something maybe a similar situation where you're used to being a high level competitor and always trying to push your limits and obviously there's probably still part of you that has that natural tendency mm-hmm. You know, honestly, I was okay with not doing any of them. I was okay with not doing high-level movements like handstand push-ups or mm-hmm. pull-ups because it didn't feel good. Okay. Um, I, I don't know a lot of women. I mean, if there's pregnant women out there that say they that pull-ups feel great with nausea or <laughs> with extra whatever weight that they gain through pregnancy – more power to them, but it felt terrible for me. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> and I just, I was simply okay with not doing them. Also the fact that I had been doing it for so many years, having to worry about how many I was able to do and how fast I was able to do them. Mm-hmm. I felt like this was a time where my main goal was just staying healthy and whatever I could do to be active. It wasn't, oh, I'm six months pregnant and I can still do a handstand pushup. Mm-hmm. I didn't really care about that to be honest with you (laughs) so it sounds like you were just sort of listening to your body and things that didn't feel good you were not you know not interested in doing yeah the only thing I ever stressed about was well I wonder how long this is going to take me to get back once I have Mm -hmm. you know my kid Mm -hmm. how long is this going to take me to get back that that was the only thing in terms of that competitive side of me well I had to work for so long to get X amount of muscle ups and broke and how much how long is it going to take me to get that back mm-hmm. um so that was the only thought that in my head but I honestly was physically okay with not doing them while I was pregnant <laughs> what type of advice did you get I don't know if the initial physical therapy that you were doing was specifically for your back but did you at any point start to consult experts for specific exercises or for um kind of approaching your training with pregnancy yeah so um physical therapy for my back it directly um I guess focused on my posterior so Mm -hmm. my posterior strength was really weak um so in pregnancy you want to say that you're the weight gain in the front portion of your body is going to pull you forward. So when I would go to my PT office, I would focus on posterior, so glutes, hamstrings, erectors, Mm -hmm. um, different things like that to focus a lot on my posterior. Um, But uh, it got to the point where, you know, just doing simple things like a kettlebell swing in the gym just felt really uncomfortable and simple to you and I, me being Lindsay and you being Julie, like a kettlebell swing felt uncomfortable. And I knew from my education. And then as a coach, I was like, you know, this sucks doing this by myself. I don't know if I'm doing it right. Mm -hmm. 
I don't know if this is something that could harm me in the long run as just an individual who likes to be active and mm-hmm. then also a competitive <laughs> CrossFitter. Uh-huh. So um, that's when I kind of, you know, luckily we ha- already had Bree working at my gym during her mom's class. Um, so <clears throat> I contacted her and I pulled her aside one day and I said, hey, I'm feeling like I'm completely lost. I need some direction. And even if that's you working with me one-on-one mm-hmm. or you giving me stuff to do in the gym, I just need someone to tell me what to do because mm-hmm. it's pretty much a guessing game right now. Sure. And tell us who, who a little bit of background about who Bree is and how she kind of got into coaching at your gym. Yeah, so um, we opened up my gym in August. I've known Bree since before she was Bree Battles of Everyday Battles. I knew her because her and my husband worked at the same department together, um, mm-hmm. and then they end up both laddering to a different department. And um, I just we kind of stayed in contact um, throughout the years of my CrossFit career and her having her first son. And then she was running her program out of a different gym, and, and that her- just kind of fell through. Can you just explain what her program is for people listening? Yeah, so um, Everyday Battles is, she has two programs. So she has the program that she runs out of my gym Monday, Wednesday, Friday. And it's with moms for an hour class. Um, And they focus directly on, you know, working out as a mom. Mm -hmm. Um, And then also, um, if you've taken her postpartum series, which she offers, I guess, a bunch of different um, days of the year, her six-week class that okay. deals directly on postpartum recovery. And then also, if you're currently pregnant, making sure that you're connecting everything before you have your baby. Got it. Yeah, so um, she d- deals directly with, you know, pelvic floor health. Diastasis was something that she dealt with as um, with her first son, her pregnancy, her first pregnancy. So um, she felt like it was her calling to help a lot of people with that because that's a subject that really isn't talked about um, and a lot of people aren't educated upon. Yeah, and for people listening that aren't aware of diastasis, basically, and you can maybe add to this, but essentially it's when the abdominal muscles don't fully um, return back together. There's still some separation between those abdominal muscles after pregnancy, which is actually very common. Right. Um, but something that I really didn't know much about until just recently. So, yeah. So, I mean, it, anyone can really suffer from diastasis. Like if you look at some men and you look at their abdominal structure, mm-hmm. just by looking at them, they actually have it. You can see the separation between, you know, the belly button area and, um, right before the, pubic bone but um it occurs in every pregnancy the significant is uh is different uh i had it pretty significantly uh, my stomach got pretty big when i was pregnant mm-hmm. um but with the help of julie weeb and brie i was able to kind of correct that uh, properly with the proper breathing techniques and rehab movements that they gave me Awesome. So what did it look like once you started working with Brie during your pregnancy? What sort of things were you learning and doing with her? Yeah, so I was honestly doing very, very basic stuff. Like Mm -hmm. it was maybe 30, 45 minutes working with her at a time. And that's really the only energy I had to expend um, with the stuff that I was dealing with medically. But um, like it was foundation stuff. So um, you know, a lot of pull-up presses, you know, a lot of band stuff, um, bands and using your, uh, you know, your pelvic floor to breathe correctly, mm-hmm. um, with those bands, um, coming out of an air squat and using that proper breathing technique and not holding my breath and expanding, um, my stomach, but rather than pulling the bean up as Julie Weave has <laughs> might have talked to you about a little bit, um, <laughs> talking about stuff like that and learning how to really do it. And it's actually quite difficult when you're first learning it. You feel like, okay, I feel like I've never done CrossFit before. It's <laughs> like, like one of those things when you're first, <laughs> yeah, you're first learning how to do a kipping pull-up. And right. you're like, okay, I feel like I'm in a, da- a dance floor and I'm the <laughs> only one that knows doesn't know how to do this dance move. And that's what it feels like. You're like, okay. And then finally when you get it, things start to like connect and make sense. And you you start noticing it even when you're not pregnant, like an air squat using that breathing technique 
becomes a little bit easier because you're actually breathing correctly Mm -hmm. the way you should have been breathing from the very beginning. Okay. So you know, after some period of time of doing these exercises, you started to notice a difference or things started to kind of click for you. Yeah. So things, uh, like I would say about, it took me about a solid three weeks, two and a half weeks, three weeks to really understand what, you know, Brie wanted me to do and mm-hmm. what Julie Weave wanted me to do and look for the right, um, I guess, cues with when I wasn't with them, that if mm-hmm. I was doing things correctly and understand how my body was moving. And then once I had RC, same thing, like not having him in my belly anymore and being able to do stuff and working through a c-section is another story so yeah. making sure i can connect all those things in different stages of my yeah and you mentioned um like some of the medical things that you were going through at that time are you willing to talk about some of the things that you were dealing with with your pregnancy yeah so um i was put on bed rest like partial bed rest at i think 34 weeks Okay. And then I was put on full bed rest at 36 weeks. So almost two months I was on bed yeah. rest. I delivered him at 37 and a half weeks. He was delivered early. He was fine. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I had um, all the on, uh, early precursors of preeclampsia. So my blood pressure was really, really high. I had mm-hmm. the swelling that if you push your feet in or your skin in, it wouldn't rise. Mm-hmm. Um I had lightning, which means like my uh, uh, cervix was thinning and I was having contractions um, at 34 weeks. And that's when my blood pressure was really high. They admitted me early and went down, was put on partial bed rest. And then they saw that my cervix was thinning. So they put me on full bed rest to get me past that 36 week mark. And then I delivered him at 37 and a half weeks. And what was that? experience like I mean going from being super active and then obviously being more limited you know yeah prior to that but being you know so limited in what you could do um I think that was when it became like the the hardest for me as like you said like an active person but then also as a gym owner like I couldn't even before that 34 week, I was coaching class in a rolling chair and just pushing <laughs> myself around the gym, but I couldn't even be at my gym in a coaching aspect or yeah. a, a, someone that just was moral support for my clients. So that was hard. I felt really guilty not being there and I felt kind of like out of the loop and kind of on the outside. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, the athlete part of me was like, man, you know, I, guilted you know self-consciously was like man I'm you know 245 pounds like I went into this pregnancy the best shape I've ever been like you know I would sit there you know feeling really guilty because I was upset with the position that I was in but also excited to have my son and that Mm -hmm. was the only light at the end of the tunnel but I was you know super worried that I was never going to be anything close to that athlete that I was before and aesthetically I was afraid that I would never like the way I looked in the mirror again so there's a lot of different dynamics that people don't really realize in pregnancy and it's not so much postpartum blues I think it's just the normal things that a female goes through that Mm -hmm. is very taboo to still talk about Mm -hmm. yeah it's I can imagine a lot of different emotions or bodies changing in so many ways. And then you have this, I mean, all of the hormones and then the, you know, bringing a new life yeah. into the world. There's so many different things going on. That, um, yeah. And I mean, the best thing that I could always advise people is like every individual is super different. Like, mm-hmm. you know, like my sister has had two, two kids. <laughs> has had two kids and she hasn't she didn't have any of the issues that I had so everyone's so different and I don't want my story to scare people off from mm-hmm. having children of their own um RC he's riding his truck <laughs> you also learn how to micromanage yeah. too when your mom very well perspective has um, changed a lot <laughs> yeah um I don't want my story to scare off any women, but I definitely want my story to inspire women that 
it's okay to have weird dynamic of emotions. Mm-hmm. So, so let's talk about that then. Obviously, you have him. He's healthy and happy. And now you're looking at the process of, okay, how do I start um, getting back to where I want to be? And I know this whole time you had in the back of your mind the goal of returning to a competition. So how did you go about it? Yeah, so after I had my son, you know, we knew what kind of recovery I was going to have because I had a Mm C-section. So that was the plus of having a C-section. I went in there. I was induced. Nothing happened for 20 hours. My blood pressure just skyrocketed. So it was the decision, hey, you can either go home because you're not dilated or effaced at all. But we we think you should have a C-section based on all the issues that you're having. So it was a no-brainer at that point. You know, mm-hmm. I did cry and went through the feeling guilty kind of thing. So many but, more emotions, yeah. Yeah, and but the positive was that I knew what my kind of recovery that I was going to have. Essentially, I had a C-section, so we knew how to address it. Mm-hmm. I knew I wasn't going to be able to do really anything for six weeks mm-hmm. because I had a major surgery. Mm-hmm. Um and I had incisions and everything that goes in with opening up your entire stomach right. and moving everything around <laughs> and having a child. Um, so, you know, to be honest with you, my main objective was being able to lose some of the weight first, mm-hmm. but also get into things safely and, you know, not mess myself up and regret it. So, you know, I really started with going on like an hour walk every day mm-hmm. um, I would say I gave myself like a week and a half to like do nothing mm-hmm. and kind of learn how to be a mom because I mean when you're a brand new mom and it's your first kid you're so paranoid like you don't know if you're doing things right you know they're going through you know um, milestones and you're not sleeping because you're uncomfortable you're waking mm-hmm. up every two or three hours to feed them you're just learning how to be a mom and they're learning how to exist in this world outside of their, your stomach, you know? So, um, you know, balancing that and really not having to focus on anything else other than being a mom. It was my main objective for mm-hmm. the first, I think I'd say a week and a half to two weeks. I did nothing but focus on that. And that's, that's something that I tell. Yeah. That's probably I, amazing for you being someone who's always pulled in so many different directions to be able to yeah shut everything else I, out for I a be- while. I basically tell new moms, like, look, it is your only time in your life forever until you're going to, the last time you're going to just be able to focus on just being a mom. Yeah. You're not going to have to focus on being a mom, you know, a wife, a business owner or, or professional or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, you can just focus on just being a mom and that's all you have to focus on. So after those first two weeks, I started, you know, um, increasing my walk time to like maybe not an hour and a half at a time, but Mm -hmm. like total, I'd go on multiple walks with my son Mm -hmm. and just our neighborhood. Mm -hmm. Um, and then Bree started coming over and we started working on the band stuff, um, pelvic floor stuff, checking my diastasis, checking Mm -hmm. my incisions, um, you know, making sure I wasn't having any, you know, issues or pain or, you know, she would just come over and check on my mental health too. Mm -hmm. Uh, um, I would have conversations with Julia Weeb about that stuff too and how it was feeling. Um, and then I was able to start, you know, riding the assault bike. I know everyone's like, Oh, I hate the assault bike, (laughs) but it was my one thing that I could do that was CrossFit related, you know, but I wasn't like riding it for, (laughs) for speed or anything trust me I was literally just like riding it like super slow um for five minutes and then I was allowed to go to 10 minutes then I was allowed to go to 15 or and honestly some days I only did 10 because that's the only energy that I had Mm -hmm. um and it was like the my rpms were maybe at a nine and for (laughs) me I was like oh god that is enough for right now you know um but it was just slowly, you know, making sure that I was my mental health in the sense of I felt like I was doing something, but I was doing it OK. Mm-hmm. And then I think once I was cleared by my OB and then, you know, continuously being checked by Bree, um, my coach was allowed to keep adding stuff. Um, but she would watch me do some of the stuff um, and just checking my movement pattern and checking my breathing throughout mm-hmm. it. Um 
but it was like as simple as cleaning an empty training bar or front squatting an empty training bar and that was it mm-hmm. and that was it for the day and that's how we just slowly progressed um i know we've i've talked about it in other interviews like i remember asked being asked to do a pull up for the first time with a band and i couldn't do it with a green band you know the resistance band which is one of the thicker ones that you could use and i couldn't even do a pull up and i was like oh my god like we're in for it and i was super discouraged at that point and then i just slowly started getting better and better at things how did you stay you mentioned kind of helping to make sure you were mentally doing okay but how did you stay in it mentally like seeing just seeing really slow progress and making sure that you were really limiting and doing things the right way um you know, with the ultimate long-term goal. <laughs> well, uh, I don't know if you can hear, but I, I always had him by my side. So he was always with me. Okay. <laughs> Whether it was in the garage or the garage door was open, I could see him with my husband or yeah. he was in the, at my gym with me. So for me, just, just being able to see him was the gratification that mm-hmm. it was okay where I was Mm -hmm. and being able to also have my husband, my husband, like I I say he's my sensei because even like during the open right now, I just, I deflect a lot of my stuff on him and he Mm -hmm. just needs to listen to me. Mm -hmm. So he listens to me and he's kind of like, okay, it's okay. And (laughs) you know, just being able to voice, I think helps a lot. Yeah, (laughs) absolutely. So what were some of the, you mentioned the doing the pull up, but what were some of the big, milestones that you reached along your way that you remember were like okay I'm I'm doing this right or I'm on the right track yeah so huge milestones was a pull-up but also you know squat cleaning um, my the first time my coach came down was in October so I had my son in May mm-hmm. um, so he came down in October to see me in person and squat cleaning I think 200 pounds was a huge milestone wow. um uh, I would say like a muscle up, being able to connect muscle ups was a huge milestone because mm-hmm. that was something I worked really, really hard for prior to having RC, connecting so many of them. Um, but yeah, being able to do muscle ups was a huge milestone. And then toes to bar are something that, you know, I'm still working on to get better at, but um, that's another huge milestone that I had. Did you ever think about, or why is it, why was it so important for you to get back to competition and to the the level of fitness that you were at before? You know, I, I love competing in the sense of, I love it when I'm there, like Mm -hmm. the process of competing, like is super stressful. I know we talked about it before, Mm -hmm. um, but the process of like competing and getting to there is super stressful for me. Um, but there's nothing that can, there's a lot of things that can replace it. Like, I feel like I would be okay with not competing if, you know, cause I have just, I have my son, mm-hmm. but I'm not ready to hang that up. I don't know if that makes any sense. Like, Absolutely. I love the feeling that I get when I compete and I don't think I'm done competing yet. Mm-hmm. I don't think I'm physically done competing or mentally. Um, if something were to happen where I couldn't compete, I would be okay with it, um, but I'm not ready to let it go in the sense I want my our son to see me, mm-hmm. and I want him to see all the other women competing, too. I, I mean, that's that would be a dream come true for him to see me just once at the games, um, because I want him to see, you know, selfishly, I want him to see what his mom is capable of doing, and he may not remember all of it, mm-hmm. um, but I'll remember it, and I want, you know, but I also want other moms to kind of not give up on having a goal and it's okay to set huge goals. Right. I Mm -hmm. think, um, I think a lot of times moms feel like they have to give up something and trust me, it's, it's hard Mm -hmm. and it's an everyday balancing act and some days are better than the the next. And sometimes I sit there with my husband, I'm like, why am I doing this? (laughs) And I have to remember why I'm doing it. And that's for myself, but that's also to inspire people that, even if they choose to start a family or they choose to start a career or 
it's freaking hard and you know it's hard to balance things but Mm -hmm. it doesn't mean that you have to be done in everything right um and I feel like a lot of women let go of it and I think I think you make a great point that you know especially once you have a child that it can be easy to forget about taking care of yourself or doing things for yourself to try to reach your own full potential because you're putting so much energy into this other person. And I think that there's so much to be said for setting an example Um, that can go so far, just even if it's basic, taking care of myself, making sure that I'm working out, that I'm eating right, regardless of level of competition, but also pursuing really big goals. Like you said, it, it, I think a lot of women maybe feel guilty or feel like, Oh, I'm not spending as much, much time with my kids or whatever it may be, but in pursuing those goals and achieving them and setting that example, you're having such a huge impact on their development and their, you know, their minds about what's possible and what their future goals might be. Yeah. I mean, there's days where I feel guilty, you know, but I have a lot of, um, mom friends that, you know, do compete in CrossFit and, Mm um, you know, I re deflect off of each other and um we talk about that you know there are days where I'm like man like I've been in here for three hours and I wish I could just be home mm-hmm. you know with my kid and my husband and they're taking a nap in reality usually when I'm training <laughs> but I do wish I could be taking a nap with yeah. them but um uh, but yeah but I also you know something that I think a lot of um athletes female athletes ex- in huge areas whether it's crossfit or not Mm -hmm. female athletes i feel like feel like they have to make the decision between a family and their athletic career and not that you know if you don't want to have a family don't have a family because Mm -hmm. then it's just not the right thing if you don't want to be an athlete anymore then don't be an athlete (laughs) anymore like you should never feel pressured to do either or but i don't think you have to choose Mm -hmm. um you know, like I said, it's definitely a balancing act. And But at the end of the day, I would rather have my son than another medal around my neck. I'm sure I would like to have both of best worlds, you know, mm-hmm. but nothing's going to replace my son and the, the legacy that I can live with, leave with my son. Um, and, you know, I always knew I wanted to have a family and um, that's what we wanted to do. So I wasn't willing to give that up just to guarantee going to the games again Mm -hmm. and I don't think that female athletes have to choose it's hard but I think they can do both well you're you're the one of the shining examples and it's been super inspiring to watch you over the past few years and going through this whole process now that you've now that you've kind of gone through it you're now going into your second season of competition I know you've also coached a lot of other women at your gym who have gone through their pregnancies yeah what are some of the things that you know now that maybe you didn't know um a couple years ago that or advice that you give to other women when they're just starting out in this process yeah so in the terms of advice of a coach to a pregnant athlete Mm -hmm. if you own a gym or you coach at a gym that has pregnant athletes, um, don't be afraid to speak up and tell an athlete what you think they should or shouldn't do. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, do it very delicately. Um, I, I would say give a pot like the old kinesiology coaching class, um, pedagogy class. I would say mm-hmm. give a positive with a negative. Mm-hmm. Um, just don't say you can't do this. Um, <laughs> From my experience in learning through that, if you tell a pregnant woman they can't do something, they're going to be offended immediately. They're going to want to do it. (laughs) Because they're going to think that you're saying, well, you don't know what I, you don't think I know what I'm doing while I'm pregnant. And that's not the case at all. You're you're just trying to protect them and their kid. Mm -hmm. Um, So I would say, hey, you're doing a really great job at that burpee, but you know, let's try to, um, decrease the deficit and maybe do a burpee to a box, Mm -hmm. um, be a little bit delicate with it, get that positive with a negative and say, Hey, you're doing a great job. And I really like that. And I like your effort, but I think maybe it's time to, because you're getting so far along and that, that baby's getting a little bit big. Let's, let's, uh, modify it a little bit. So that's the advice I have 
for coaches. Um, Which I think it can be easy, especially for coaches who don't have any personal experience or who haven't coached a lot of pregnant women to be very hands off and just say, you know, they know what's best for them and, you know, kind of monitor and be afraid to, you know, say something or like you said, to offend them. So I think that's, you know, that's a good advice. Right. And then I would say for like the pregnant athlete or woman, no matter what your, like you said, level of competition is, I would say, you know, I know we go with the term, listen to your body and whatever feels fine, feels fine. But Mm -hmm. I I think yes to a point, but I also think like the mental side of thing, like, uh, I feel like people are afraid to modify. And I feel like social media is at fault of that. Mm -hmm. I feel like, you know, they see like, um, I don't know any names. I really don't pay attention to the fitness world names. I'm so good. But they'll see some fitness guru or whatever, and she's eight months pregnant, and she's doing box jumps or back squats. And, Mm -hmm. yeah, okay, okay, that's fine for them. But what's fine for someone on social media isn't fine for you. Mm -hmm. Um, So I wouldn't pay too much attention on about social media and let you sit there at night looking through – scrolling through your feed and be like oh my god that person's eight months pregnant and so am i and i'm not doing box jumps like (laughs) that's okay it's not the end of the world you don't know what's going on inside of them and they don't know what's going inside of you so um i would say prepare for your postpartum before your postpartum Mm -hmm. is what i'm trying to get to prepare your body for the recovery that it's going to have to go through before it's going through it. I think the best tools you can give yourself is helping your recovery before you you even are in that recovery process. And that means, you know, learning about, you know, pelvic floor function, pelvic floor health, um, learning the correct breathing techniques for pelvic floor, um, because you're going to be, it's, you're going to be so thankful and you're going to be setting yourself up for maybe not a faster recovery, Mm -hmm. but, uh, maybe um, and maybe not an easier recovery, but a safer recovery mm-hmm. so that instead of rushing into it too soon and prolonging that um, recovery, um, you're doing it correctly from the very beginning, if not before the very beginning of your recovery phase. I love that. And I know you mentioned Brie Battles and Julie Weeb. Are there other resources or experts that you would recommend people go to? Or what do you advise people about finding someone locally that they could work with um, when they're yes. trying to learn these yeah, things? So, uh, Julie and Brie both offer courses online. Um, I know that they, um, you know, uh, Everyday Battles is Brie's uh, handle and Julie Weeb. They both have websites, so they both offer courses online that can educate you. Mm-hmm. Um, I know um, Lisa Ryan is starting her own course, mm-hmm. too. Um, so those are three three women that I would recommend that, you know, I, I feel like in late, they put it in very, very layman terms mm-hmm. where it's easy to understand where you're like, they're not naming body parts and you're like, what the, f- you're going through, you know, the, the Dr. Webster dictionary, whatever, and trying to figure that out. And they put, they put it in layman's terms where you can understand it and it's easy to perform. And they, it, it's just, it hits everything right on the head, I think. Sure. Um, any other advice for coaches, um, other than what you just said about how to best educate themselves so that they can help their clients? Uh, yeah. So, you know, I, again, um, I think that the more they educate themselves, maybe in taking courses, coming to seminars, I'm going to try to start a seminar at my gym at Automo, um, with, uh, Brie and, um, Julie Weeb. So, um, if you can educate yourself about pelvic floor, um, mm-hmm. Uh, dysfunction, breathing, diastasis, um, and also just like maybe the mental side of thing I think is huge because like I said, um, nowadays social media is a good thing, but it's also an evil thing in the sense of there's a lot of comparison and, you you know, not every woman should be doing box jumps at eight months pregnant or whatever. Maybe Mm -hmm. it's okay to modify, but also learning how to deal with that psychological side of things. Like I said, a positive with a negative, I think Mm -hmm. is even after having my son and having women who were at my gym while I was pregnant mm-hmm. and now are pregnant themselves for the first time, I've really had to change how I address them because 
even though I understand what they're going through and I've been there, um, I not it, it's hard for women who are pregnant to re- they, we lose sight of that. Yes. We're very good at losing yes. sight of things. <laughs> so um, I apologize for all of us um, ahead of time. Um, but uh, but it's, it's hard for us to lose sight that, you know, everyone can kind of relate to us. So do your best to be delicate, but also be educated and um, give a positive with a negative, I think. And it's not so much negative, but maybe criticism or a critique Mm -hmm. is the best word. Absolutely. And I think that's great advice for every, I mean, outside of pregnancy, I mean, just talking about social media in general and how people are making comparisons and constantly having, you know, the mental impact that that has on us on a daily basis. And then coaches too. I mean, whether you're talking about someone who's pregnant or anyone who you want to scale back in the workout, but they think that maybe they can do a little bit more. It's not always easy to help people understand that you have their best interests and their long-term health in mind. Yeah. It's, it's a constant battle as a gym owner. And, you know, sometimes you have clients that don't listen and you've tried over and over and over again to get them to listen. Mm -hmm. And at the end of the day, you kind of just like, all right, well, (laughs) They signed a waiver and <laughs> I've told them about five to 10 times not to do that on separate occasions and that the weight's too heavy or, Hey, let's do this. And they're like, no, 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 I'm fine. And you just, unfortunately, um, adults are harder to mold than children. So they're very set in their ways. <laughs> yeah. Well, we do the best we can. Yeah. Um, so what are now, When we first talked, you had just recently opened your gym. Now you have a almost two-year-old. What is your day-to-day life like now? Do you have a typical day? Uh, Yeah, so I coach 8.30 a.m. Monday through Friday. Um, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, RC comes with me to the gym and coaches with me at 8.30. (laughs) Um, He's a staple, and when he's not there, the days that my husband's off from work and he stays home with Arsenio senior and it's like where's RC and I'm like (laughs) okay whatever um and then um so I coach every morning he comes with me or he's at home um twice a week my mom watches him for a couple hours here pretty soon after his uh, second birthday though he's probably going to be starting uh daycare or like a pre-k program exciting Um, (laughs) they grow up so fast Uh, (laughs) right um and and then I train I usually train in one sitting because um, if I don't have to coach later on in the night, um, I like to dedicate myself to just me and RC and mm-hmm. Arsenio and have that family time. Um, or I have responsibilities at home that I have to take care of, um, or just outside gym stuff. But yeah, I usually train for about three, three and a half hours, um, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and then Saturday, Thursday, I just kind of run and we all go to the track or, wherever endurance that I have. And then Sundays, um, is uh, family day. I coach endurance and then we just have family day until my husband has to go off to work at night. So it's a full plate. It's pretty much nonstop. As soon as my feet hit the ground at seven 30, I'm off and mm-hmm. I don't stop till he goes to sleep at seven mm-hmm. or eight o'clock at night. <laughs> wow. And so, you mentioned earlier a couple of times yeah. your coach, who are you working with coaching wise? Um, or who's helping you kind of prepare for this season? Yeah, so I'm working with Jacob Wellock out of Double Edge Fitness. He's okay. in Reno. Um, and I've been working with him since uh, I started talking to him about when I was about, I would say, eight months pregnant. Okay. I got it connected with him through a friend. He was coaching uh, their gym's team for regionals. Mm-hmm. And uh, <laughs> we got connected that way. And you know, he just is a very hard worker and um, was dedicated to doing his own research about postpartum recovery and stuff like that. So that's why I was like, okay, let's do this. That's awesome. Um, and then what's your approach? I know we talked about this recently, but how has your approach to nutrition changed or what what have you been doing nutrition-wise? Yeah, so... Um, uh, I've, you know, connected with a lot of different people, you know, I was working with Mike Dolce before I had mm-hmm. RC. Um, and that's like a lot of food, a lot of food prep every day. Mm-hmm. And I usually cook my own meal every day. Um, 
you know, it's just basic, you know, I'm eating carbs. Like, and for example, I've been starting to work with a athlete named Alyssa Thorne. Okay. And we started working with each other. Um, I actually met her at Wadapalooza and just kind of, you know, she works with a lot of nutrition, but Mm -hmm. you know, I'm eating the basics, like four ounces Mm -hmm. of meat, um, at dinner, carbs, you know, a couple of carbs, whatever greens that I want. And then, you know, I'm eating a a certain amount of fat and protein and all that type of stuff. So it's actually helping. Mm -hmm. I think, um, I'm doing better at it now. For me, sometimes the only problem that I have, it's I'm eating good quality food, Mm -hmm. but I forget to eat my snacks. So I'm always moving. And for me, it's remembering to eat, you know, between my lunch and my dinner, eating my protein shake and Mm -hmm. my fat and my carb, which is a fruit. Mm -hmm. And sometimes I just will forget because I'm so busy, just so focused. (laughs) Yeah, I'm so busy. And then I'm like, crap, it's eight o'clock. I still have to eat dinner. Yeah. So yeah, it's, it's making sure that I'm eating enough, I think is the problem. It's a bigger problem. And do you generally measure pretty specifically? Do you measure how much you're eating or is it more focused on the food quality and general kind of balance between macronutrients? Yeah. So, um, you know, what's really funny is I'm okay with eating the same thing every day. Mm -hmm. So I'll weigh and measure things for about a week. Um, like for example, I'm supposed to eat one cup carbs Mm -hmm. in the, um, what is it called? Like the orange microwave packet of rice, Mm -hmm. Benjamin, I don't know what it's called. Yeah. Yeah, I know what it looks like. (laughs) I know that's exactly a cup. And the chicken tender breasts that I can put in the crock pot, I know that three of them are four ounces of protein. Mm -hmm. And I know that a handful of greens is what I'm supposed to eat. Right. So I throw that together and that's my dinner. So keep it simple. That's easy. Yeah, that's super easy for me. I'm I'm okay with literally eating the same thing every day of the week. And I know that's boring for some people, but I'm the same. I'm the same way. I I think think there's there's is something yeah, and your digestive system learns to digest something mm-hmm. much easier and quicker if it's not constantly changed. And I believe that. I know that sounds weird, but I 100% believe that. <laughs> For sure. Um, and then how is your back now that um, you're back to, like, high-volume training? Has your back recovered? Are you doing anything specifically also for your back or for recovery in general yeah so my back is like a glass house of emotions is what I call it (laughs) it's either really happy with me or really pissed off and Uh currently knock on wood it's it's really happy with me awesome uh in November I had I did have to get some cortisone shots okay um interarticular um so that wasn't fun I was having uh, actually re-injured it pulling my son out of his car seat right of course doing something not in the gym (laughs) right something super simple and what just wasn't thinking about it and using the technique techniques that Brie and Julie instilled Mm -hmm. in me and that I was doing and it's actually stuff like that that you know moms actually end up hurting themselves Mm -hmm. and I just wasn't thinking. I was rushing, pulled him out of his car seat, and I felt it instantly. And I trained really heavy that day and could barely walk the next day. So, mm-hmm. you know, that was just something that I kind of had to deal with at that moment. And then um, we increased my posterior work. So, um, you know, glute ham raises, banded walks, mm-hmm. um, uh, back raises, uh, reverse hyper. I really enjoy. I have one in my garage. Mm-hmm. So, I do that on a, on if not a daily and every other daily, mm-hmm. and I feel like that's really strengthened my posterior a lot. So we've been really trying to focus on that posterior, and I think it's been really helping. And remembering my, you know, techniques to doing something simple like pulling them out of car seat. Absolutely. So awesome. Well, thank you so much for chatting with me today it's been cool to see to kind of follow up and see where you're at now and how things have progressed and see rc and he's like the cutest kid ever so (laughs) thanks he's crazy (laughs) i love watching your um videos and your photos and stuff of him on social media so so yeah, yeah. Every, everyone when I stopped posting pictures of them they're like where it and I wasn't going to do that yeah. when I was born I was like I'm not going to post any pictures but if I don't for a while they're like <laughs> where, where is he why are you posting pictures <laughs> I'm like I don't know <laughs> uh, that's fun <laughs> alright anything that you want to leave us with um, 
No, I think that was it. Okay. Well, thank you so much once again, and we're rooting for you this season. And it's so good to see you doing so well and sharing your story and inspiring so many other moms and women out there. So thank you. Yeah. Thanks, Julie. Thanks so much for tuning in to this episode. I loved getting to catch up with Lindsay and hearing more about the course of her pregnancy and her postpartum recovery. Her mental strength, patience, and persistence never ceases to amaze me. I know we're all rooting for her and this year's open so that she can fulfill her goal of setting a positive example for her son. I'd love to hear more about your experience with CrossFit and pregnancy and keep this conversation going. So make sure you comment below this post on my website, juliefouché.com forward slash podcast or on social media with hashtag pursuing health. To make sure you never miss an episode and to receive exclusive content from me, head to my website, juliefouché.com and subscribe to my email list. If you like what you heard, don't forget to subscribe and consider giving the podcast a five-star rating on iTunes. Also, don't forget to share your stories. If you or someone you know has used lifestyle to overcome a serious health challenge, please send me an email at info at juliefouché.com. I'll choose some of these inspiring stories to share here on future episodes. Don't forget you can train with me through Beyond the Whiteboard by visiting trainwithjuliefouché.com. Thank you again so much for listening, and I'll catch you next time on Pursuing Health. This episode is brought to you by Mobility Wad. Do you struggle to get into good positions in your training and workouts? Are your movement compensations causing you undue pain and grief? MWAD's belief is that every human being should be able to perform basic maintenance on themselves. For nearly 10 years, Mobility Wad has been the go-to for the world's best athletes and teams. Do you know what hundreds of Olympic and world-class athletes, professional teams in the NFL, MLB, basketball, hockey, rugby, and soccer, and dozens of universities all have in common? They use Mobility Wad to train and compete at their best. I first took Dr. Kelly Surrett's Movement and Mobility course in 2013, and since then have read his books and followed his videos for ideas on how to address my own movement restrictions. But sometimes having all this information can become overwhelming, which is why I think the real genius is in the MWOD subscription. As part of this subscription, you have access to not only hundreds of hours of video content that can be filtered based on your specific questions, but also a daily 10-minute Mobility Wad video. You just log in and follow Kelly's instructions as if he is there coaching you in person for 10 minutes per day. You may pick up certain exercises that you wish to incorporate on a regular basis before or after your workouts. But at the very least, by following this daily program, you know you are addressing a wide range of movement patterns and body parts on a regular basis without having to think about it. I often do these sessions first thing in the morning or before bed as a way to wind down from the day. In addition, you have access to an on-ramp sequence and a 14-day mobility challenge that helps you understand the basics and identify the areas you personally need to focus on. You can lean on the MWOD community and discussion boards to learn from others who have been through similar situations or injuries. And if you need more personalized help, you can use the MWOD list to find a like-minded practitioner in your area. It's easy to become part of the Mobility Wad community, but for being a Pursuing Health listener, you can receive 20% off an annual membership with code Julie Fouché. That's J-U-L-I-E-F-O-U-C-H-E-R. Just visit www.mobilitywad.com. Full potential, full power. This episode is brought to you by Siete Foods. You know when you meet a group of people who are just so genuine that you can't help but treat them like old friends or family? Well, that's basically how I felt when I met the Garza family, the founders of Siete Foods. Siete is a healthy Mexican-American food brand that makes grain-free and paleo-friendly tortillas and tortilla chips. My husband Danny and his family first met the Garzas at PaleoFX several years ago, and they had an instant connection and have kept in touch ever since. Maybe it's their powerful origin story that makes them so relatable. Veronica Garza was facing a series of major health challenges as a teenager, and her entire family of seven jumped on board to help without hesitation. Together, they adopted a low-inflammation, grain-free diet. As a Mexican-American family living in South Texas, they couldn't imagine living without tortillas, and it wasn't long before Veronica came up with a delicious solution and Siete Foods was born. I've been enjoying their delicious grain-free and paleo-friendly tortillas and tortilla chips for years and finally had the chance to meet the Garzas in person. 
When I did, they immediately made me feel like a member of the family. Their passion for making the world a healthier place is absolutely contagious, and their generosity spreads to everyone they touch. I'm so excited to have Siete Foods as a sponsor of this episode, and if you're not already a fan of their products, I promise that you will be as soon as you give them a try. They've provided an exclusive discount code for Pursuing Health listeners. Just use code JULIE when you check out on SieteFoods.com to take advantage of their offer. Again, their website is SieteFoods.com, S-I-E-T-E-F-O-O-D-S.com, and you can use code JULIE for 10% off your order. Mm -hmm. 